As I read and reread the Christmas story in Luke this year, I couldn't help but notice how it subtly speaks about power. The gospel lesson begins with a decree from the emperor to register the people. And then it goes on to speak about the governor who would have been the next most powerful man in the lives of the chosen people. The governor would be the one who orchestrated this census and then the taxing that, of course, is any, the only reason you would ever do a census. And then we meet Joseph and Mary. By all accounts, they're nobody special, not like the emperor and the governor. They're just two regular people among millions in the empire. They aren't Roman citizens, and so they don't have too many rights. They aren't allowed to vote, and if a Roman citizen were to attack them, the courts wouldn't even hear their case. A Roman official could come to their town at any time and draft as many soldiers as they pleased and take extra taxes to fund wars that didn't help the people at all. Any who resisted were beaten or jailed or killed. Joseph and Mary keep their heads down and they do as they're told. In most any historical telling, the poor people who are expecting their first child isn't really front page news. It's those emperors and kings and governors who move mountains and reshape the world according to their own design. But this is our story. This is our new beginning that challenges us to look at the world and then to look again. Now we know that Mary and Joseph are not totally in the dark here. After all, angels told both of them about this miraculous pregnancy, about the coming of the Son of God, as the angel Gabriel had told Mary. But that doesn't mean that their journey was an easy one. It doesn't mean that they aren't really scared. Because beyond the empire's political machinations, beyond the three days' journey to an ancestral home, beyond the swollen feet, heartburn, retained water, insomnia, constant cravings, and exhaustion that I've heard about from late pregnancy, Mary and Joseph are very much alone. Back home in Nazareth, Mary's surprise premarital pregnancy would have been a great scandal. Here's a naughty girl and the poor chump who agreed to marry her anyway. How many of her friends would have hung in there with her despite the gossip and the rumors? Or how many of her soon-to-be in-laws would have stopped giving her the side eye long enough to really get to know her? And then, as they travel to Bethlehem, everywhere they go is filled with strangers. In hard times, being surrounded by strangers can feel even lonelier than being alone. When the time came to give birth, her mother wasn't there. Not any sisters or cousins or aunts or friends. I mean, hopefully somebody fetched a midwife to help, but really that moment could have just been Mary and Jesus bringing forth that new life together in moments that must have been both painful and glorious, strained and beautiful. And as she first held him and wrapped him in bands of cloth, we can be sure that there was a most vulnerable,
embrace. Now this word vulnerable, I, I think it fits that moment so perfectly because you might hear that word and think of someone who is exposed, helpless, powerless. You might think of someone who could be harmed at any moment. And we find out in Matthew 2 how much danger they are truly in when Herod orders his massacre and the holy family must flee. Being unsafe, it's part of the story, but it's not the whole story. And, and when we look at our closest, most intimate relationships, we also speak about vulnerability. And, and there it means a willingness to be open to the one that you love. It means letting your guard down and trusting them, showing up for them even if that means that you might get hurt. This vulnerability is rare and special, and it's to be reserved for only the few who show themselves worthy of that kind of closeness. When I was quite little, maybe three years old, I was riding on the highway with my mom and the car broke down. Now, I may be young, but back when I was three, nobody had cell phones, so it was a much more dire thing than maybe it is these days. Those days, it was just you and your vehicle waiting on a good Samaritan while hundreds of cars whizzed past without giving you a second look. Being three, I don't think I really understood this situation, but I remember noticing that mom seemed frustrated and worried. I was more interested in whatever toy I had brought along for the ride. Before too long, I think, a car pulled over, and it had a Jesus fish on the bumper. The people spoke to my mom and offered to help her to get her to a gas station payphone, and she agreed. As I crawled in after her, I gleefully thought, how wonderful that my mom just so happens to know these nice, helpful people so that we can get moving. How, what, what luck that they passed by at this very moment. And I went back to my toy. I am perhaps a little embarrassed to admit that I didn't rethink my assessment of the situation until I was in high school, not because I figured it out, but because I randomly asked my mother about it. And she said, of course I didn't know them. I was scared to get into that car with you there, but I thought, you know, maybe the Jesus fish meant that it would be okay. It had never occurred to me that we weren't safe and that my mom took a risk. But suddenly that whole event changed in my mind. We were stranded, helpless, vulnerable, and mom took a chance on the kindness of strangers. And the people that picked us up, they took a chance that this woman and her child wasn't, I don't know, hiding a gun in her purse to steal the car and the wallets or whatever else. You've met my mother, you know how absurd that would be, but still. In offering to help us, they were vulnerable too. We all could have gotten hurt, but instead that shared vulnerability helped us all move forward. And let's face it, at no times in our lives are we as vulnerable than when we're babies and children. Our lives are literally in our parents' hands, in the hands of the ones who raise us. If we are lucky, we never question that safety and love and security, just like little three-year-old me on the side of the road. And so as we return to our gospel lesson, we can see that it wasn't just Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the conquered peoples who were vulnerable on that day. Jesus was too. 
He was tiny and fragile, unable to speak and totally dependent on his mother and father. God chose to be vulnerable to us in the most striking possible way. In Jesus Christ, even from the moment of his birth, we learned that God is not so distant as we sometimes fear. Jesus chose to be so close to us that we could shake his hand or strike his cheek. We could anoint his feet or take his life. And in this moment of birth, we see a God in baby Jesus who loves us so much that he is there for us even though we sometimes cause him pain. The choices that we make, the lies that we lead, affect God and always have. But this God never stops showing up for us. One of the miracles of the Incarnation is that it teaches us that God believed in Mary so much that God came to her as a little baby. Despite every sinful thing that she might have done or would yet do, God believed in her and became vulnerable to her and trusted her. And so this evening, as you prepare for whatever festivities you have planned for today and tomorrow, I want you to consider that wherever you are, whatever mistakes you might have made, God believes in you. God believes in all of us. And that means that we are all part of that vulnerable embrace. And so leaning on those everlasting arms, let them strengthen you and gladden your heart. Join the shepherds in glorifying and praising God and let your life be changed because the God that believes in you can do miraculous things through you, too. Amen.